0: recommended three weeks ago, Paul Miller's book, A Loving Life. Uh, it sold out, um, but we ordered more copies. So they're down in the bookstall, five bucks each. They're more expensive online. Uh, but it's i just found a really insightful book into, into uh, looking into the book of Ruth and meditating on what it means to live a life of love as Christ has loved us in this broken world. Alright, let's read Ruth chapter four. Uh, we're going to be looking, uh, I'm going to sort of take a big picture. Approach today to the book of Ruth. So we're not only going to be looking at chapter 4, but this is the conclusion to the story uh, and what we haven't read already. So, Ruth chapter 4. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me, then I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire... Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one threw off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belong to Elimelech and all that belong to Kilion and to Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses, This day, then all the people were at the gate. The elders said, "We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in and be renowned in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman." So Boaz took Ruth. She became his wife. And he went in to her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. And the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. And Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Solomon. Solomon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse. The Book of Ruth begins with
1: famine,
0: death, and bitterness. If you look back at the beginning of chapter 1, you see a famine in the land. In the town of Bethlehem, which means house of bread, the baskets were empty. And the famine, as we saw, was a sign of the spiritual dryness and chaos of the time of the Judges. Whatever everyone did as they saw fit, there are no moral and spiritual boundaries. away from the- of a joyful blessing. We also see that the dying family of Elimelech has been restored to life and hope. Chapter 4, verse 10, Boaz promises to perpetuate the name of the dead, that is, Elimelech, in his inheritance, that his name may not be cut off. To the family that once seemed to have no future, now has a future with hope. There's also a future for God's people. His famine-stricken people have been provided not only with food, not only with a good barley harvest, and all the rejoicing that resulted from consuming barley products, uh, but with a new leader, David. The book begins with the name of the Lemuelag and his family,
1: who die off in Moab. The book ends with the names of Perez and his descendants,
0: uh, probably Boaz, uh, and, and culminating with David, the son of Jesse. So we see a journey from bitterness to blessing, from despair to hope, from famine to fullness. But of course the question is, how do we get from bitterness to blessing, from despair to hope, from famine to fullness? Maybe you're asking that question on an individual level like Naomi. Maybe you feel like you can relate to her Some way or other. At the beginning of the book, she was emptied out. Embittered. Vulnerable. Grieving. Alone. Maybe the world looks bleak. Like some of the cloudy, foggy days we've had this week. Maybe you're getting older. You look back at your life... you're weary of superficial small groups And this very same God who made a path way back then has made a way for us today in His Son, Jesus Christ. So what I want to do this morning is I want to trace the path from bitterness, despair, and famine, to blessing, fullness, and hope. I want to trace the path through the storyline of Ruth. If you weren't here in the last three weeks, this will serve as a review. If you were here, I hope this will put the whole book in perspective.
1: So, i want going to sort of do an overview, a bird's eye view of the storyline, the reason, the progression.
0: Second, I want to consider the implications for us as individuals and families, and as a church. So, first, what's the path that we see throughout the storyline of this book? From beginning to end of this book, there are four movements that correspond to the four chapters. Now, the chapter and verse divisions in the Bible were added hundreds of years after the Bible was written. So they were added uh, in the Middle Ages for the sake of easy reference, so you could easily find the same spot as someone else. Uh, and sometimes, you know, the chapters and verses just sort of divide up the text into manageable chunks. But here in Ruth, the chapters of divisions are exactly where they should be to mark the progression of the story. There are four clearly defined episodes in this story, and so it's uh, it's nice. Now, if you read each of the four chapters carefully, what you will notice is that in each chapter there is a key word that appears over and over in that chapter, but. by reading your English Bible uh, it's, it's, we can see these things. So I'm going to point out these four key words uh, which we'll see the progression of the story. Chapter 1, you remember right? Chapter 1, the key word is return. Twelve times in this chapter, only three times in the rest of the book. Chapter 1 emphasizes God's initiative. Naomi's far away in Moab, but God's kindness leads Naomi to return home.
1: From exile, chapter 1, verse 6,
0: Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law to return for, why did she return? She had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. It's God's kindness that leads Naomi to return, God's initiative that gets the whole story going. She's vulnerable. She's grieving. She probably wasn't the easiest person to hang around with, But she was prompted by the good news of God's kindness. And so she returns home to God's people and the land of God's promises. We also saw that God's in her return. God's steadfast love didn't leave Naomi alone. Ruth returned with her. Chapter one, verse twenty-two. Ruth returns, swearing an oath of loyalty, not only.
1: God of Israel would make promises
0: that through this one nation, he would bless all the peoples of the earth. What we see in chapter 1 is that Ruth is a living embodiment to Naomi of the steadfast love and covenant mercy of God himself. So that's the first move in the story, return. Chapter 2, the key word is glean. chapter. Now this chapter, chapter 1, emphasized God's
1: initiative bringing Naomi home. Chapter 2, we see Ruth's initiative in going out to the field to glean. Now the word glean simply means to gather leftover
0: grain during harvest time from someone's field. And it was hard work. Ruth left the house early in the morning. She probably left the house at 6 a.m. and says she worked till sundown, gathering grain in Boaz's field leading over his back-breaking work, and then she beat out uh, the, the grain to separate uh, the, the part that we really want to keep from just the stocks. Um, and she carried up home 30 pounds of stuff, all the way home in the dark by herself. She probably left the house at 6 a.m. and got home around 9, 10 at night. It was a long, hard day of work. Ruth went out to glean to gather to seek food for her and Naomi, to sustain them. And in this chapter, we saw how God provided. God provided for Ruth and Naomi through His law, which explicitly allowed uh, foreigners and widows and the poor to glean in people's fields, uh, to pick up the leftovers, and, and in order to have enough food for them to live on. But we see that God
1: provided not just
0: what they needed for that day. God provided generously through Boaz. By just by His providence, He brought her to Boaz's field. By Boaz's kindness, she went home with two weeks' worth of food. It was another sign that God was beginning to fill Ruth and Naomi's emptiness. All right, so we see that these glimmers of hope from famine to fullness—they're now they have enough to eat to spare a sign of hope for the future chapter 3 moving on we've seen God's initiative to return Naomi home, Ruth's initiative to glean chapter 3 we see Naomi's initiative Naomi proposes an elaborate and unconventional plan to set Ruth up with Boaz go to the threshing floor late at night notice where he lies down uncover his feet lie down near him and wait and see what happens.
1: Oh. If you've to the last week's
0: sermon, if you want to hear more about that. Now the key word
1: in chapter 3 is lie down.
0: There's eight times only in this chapter. Lie down at his
1: feet. But we can summarize the theme as petition.
0: In the ancient world, man's feet Represented his authority. Bowing down before someone's feet was a recognized gesture of humble supplication and submission and petition. Boaz awoke in the middle of the night and saw Ruth lying at his feet and said, Who are you? Ruth boldly made her petition clear. She said, Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Chapter 3, verse 9. Now, Ruth wasn't simply asking for Boaz's. His kindness in inviting Bruce to join him and to uh, join his young women and men at his table. So Naomi's plan wasn't a foolish risk, it wasn't just wishful thinking. Sometimes our hopes. Even broader and richer than that. So Paul Miller summarizes it this way He says, A redeemer was a male member of the clan who rescued another member, often a woman, who had fallen on hard times. A redeemer could restore property, for example, property that had been sold in order to pay a debt. A redeemer could purchase a relative out of slavery. A redeemer could marry a brother's widow order to raise up a child bearing a brother's name. A Redeemer could avenge a relative's killing, assist in a lawsuit, and ensure that justice is served for a relative. Now, interestingly, as far as we know, this idea of a Redeemer was unique to ancient Israel. It wasn't a common thing in the ancient world. It was a specific provision of God's law.
1: And the key aspect that distinguished a Redeemer
0: from other kinds of helpers was that the Redeemer took personal ownership of the situation, of the person in need, and of their problems. So a Redeemer didn't just give someone advice, or tell them where they could get help. A Redeemer didn't just make referrals, or write a one-time check. A Redeemer took sustained ownership of a person in distress and all their problems. Now, in Boaz's case, Ruth asked him to marry her, and she said, and she
1: asked him to do that on the basis
0: that you are a redeemer. In other words, he was a relative in the clan who was eligible to fulfill this office, this responsibility of redeeming. Now, as we saw last week, Boaz's initial response was if I could, I would. But there's a redeemer nearer in the nine. In other words, there's a closer relative who by law or custom has first bids. And so, finally, we get to chapter 4. Right? Chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, we have this extended conversation between Boaz and this potential redeemer. And you might, again,
1: you might wonder what's
0: going on here. Well, remember back to chapter 1. There's this extended contrast between Orpah and Ruth. The two by widows of Naomi's sons. At first Orpah says, Naomi, I'll go back with you to Bethlehem. I'll join you on your journey. And then Naomi says, well, that's very generous, but you realize what it's going to cost you. You'll probably never get married. You'll never have the security of a husband, of the hope, of a legacy, through having children. You'll be alone and vulnerable in a foreign land. Go back home. Your mom and dad's house, and you'll have a bright future. And so Orpah sees what the cost is, and Orpa makes the sensible, reasonable, logical choice. She weeps, kisses Naomi goodbye, and goes back to Moab. Now the Redeemer here in chapter 4 is very similar to Orpah. At first, he's very happy to buy the land, take care of the land will belong to him. But then Boaz says in verse 5, do you realize what it will cost you? The day you buy the field
1: from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite,
0: the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. What does that mean? That means if he marries Ruth, he supports Ruth for the rest of her life. He supports her children. Her children get Ruth's dead husband's last name, not his. And when the children are grown, this guy would have to give them the land. He doesn't come out with anything for himself in the long run. And so suddenly,
1: he backs down. He sees the cost, and he says, mm,
0: not quite worth it.
1: And Boaz steps out to seal
0: the deal. See, in both of these cases, why is there this extended contract? Right? This long dialogue. It's about the costliness of redemption. The costliness of redeeming love. In chapter 1, Ruth counted the cost. She made the rare, risky, restrictive decision to be loyal to Naomi and to Naomi's God, leaving everything behind in order to go with her to Bethlehem. God honored her decision. Chapter four. Here Boaz has counted the cost, and he chooses to redeem Naomi, to marry Ruth, and carry on the name of the family of Melilot. He's not just pursuing what will be good for himself. He's not even just pursuing what he and Ruth would enjoy together as a married couple. He's carrying. He's he's stepping into this responsibility of being a redeemer. The family for the whole family. God honors Boaz's decision. I right through Boaz and Ruth, God came to redeem His people by raising up a son who would be the grandfather of King David. And of course, we can see in hindsight God was preparing the way for a greater redeemer to come,
1: for Jesus, the Son of God, who became our brother to deliver us from bondage to redeem us in that in every sense of the word
0: to take ownership. Now, one of the things that the Book of Ruth shows us is that this is an ongoing process, not an instantaneous transformation. Naomi's journey from bitterness to blessing does not happen in one night or one week. It takes a year, right? From When she arrives home at the beginning of barley harvest, that would be April. To the end, barley wheat harvest when plots to set up Ruth with Boaz, probably late June, and then
1: at least nine more months after they get married until maybe Obed is born and she's precipitating his blessing at the end. And even at the end, if you read chapter 4, verse 15, uh, there may be a subtle hint that Naomi's journey isn't quite finished yet. She still doesn't
0: fully recognize the depth of Ruth's sacrificial love. And so the women of the town have to remind her of that and how valuable Ruth has been to her. But let me point out four steps along Naomi's journey that might be helpful for us to keep in mind. A journey uh, at an individual and family level. So first, repentance. Naomi's journey began with God's kindness leading her to repentance. She felt bitter toward God. She was angry at her misfortunes. Perhaps, but she obediently left behind the paganism of Moab and returned home to God's people and God's promises. See, the path from bitterness to blessing begins with repentance prompted by God's grace. Returning to God's promises and God's people, even if
1: there's still a lot of bitterness and questions and doubts.
0: Second, Naomi's journey continued with God's provision of a loyal relative, Ruth. loyalty. At first, we saw that Naomi didn't even acknowledge Ruth's presence.
1: But Ruth kept on loving her nonetheless.
0: Despite Naomi's expressions of bitterness and hopelessness, Ruth stuck with her. At the beginning of chapter 2, Ruth and Naomi have come back to Bethlehem. This is Naomi's home turf.
1: Naomi knows how things work here.
0: But but Ruth has to take the initiative. Even though she's a foreigner, Ruth has to get up and say, let me go to the field and glean. Let me seek food for us so that we can live and survive. Naomi's despair fostered idleness. Ruth's initiative became a means of God's sustaining grace. Brothers and sisters, let me encourage you not to give up loving someone who is stuck in a season of bitterness and despair. They may not thank you now, but you are a means of God's sustaining grace for them, as Ruth was or named. Third. It gives us new joy and hope. There's been a few times in the past year when someone or some group of people has caught me off guard as an unexpectedly generous and undeserved gift. These expressions of generosity have lifted my spirits and renewed my joy. Sometimes they tend to compliment the most stressful times. But brothers and sisters, make delight in surprising others. Consider if you can surprise with an expression of generosity that's not just the bare minimum of what they need, but as Boaz did for Ruth, laugh is Because this is part of how God releases His people from bitterness and fills us with hope. Fourth, unselfish love.
1: Naomi's journey from bitterness to
0: blessing continued as she looked outside of herself, as she considered Ruth's future more highly than her own. You see, the journey from bitterness to blessing is not just about God changing our external circumstances or even bringing surprisingly generous people into our life. It's also a developing internal resolve, nourished by the Holy Spirit, to love Combining spiritual disciplines, reading the word, praying, with reflecting on the love of God for them. But he says that will only get you so far. In fact, sometimes it can lead to spiritual moodiness. Where you're constantly taking your pulse, wondering how much you know the love of God for you. Or you go on an endless idle hunt, trying to uncover ever deeper layers of sin, oddly enough. Says this can lead to a kind of spiritual narcissism, self-centeredness. But he says, Naomi and Ruth discover God's blessing and grow in their knowledge of Him as they obey, as they extend themselves in unselfish love for the other people that God has put
1: right to in their lives. So he says, instead of running from the really hard thing in your life, embrace it as a gift from God drawing more deeply into his
0: life, into the life of Christ. So these are four parts of Naomi's journey. Repentance, her, her own repentance, Ruth's steadfast loyalty, Boaz's surprising generosity, and God's work in her heart to make her a person of unselfish love. So that's some of the individual and family journey. What about as a church? God works through human agents. God's activity is hidden, yet He is continuously present and continuously working out His purposes through the initiative of Ruth to glean, through the initiative of Naomi to petition Boaz, through Boaz's initiative to redeem. The story is framed by two, only two statements of God's explicit action the beginning and the end, not because God is absent the rest of the story, but to show that the whole story is framed by God's guiding presence and sovereignty. In all these things, God is at work for the good of His people. We also see in the book of Ruth, God's plan is carried forward by prayer. There's not a lot of statements that explicitly talk about what God does, but there's a lot of there's a lot of expressions calling on God to bless people. Chapter 1, May the Lord deal kindly with you. The Lord grant that you may find rest. Chapter 2, Boaz blesses Ruth. The Lord repay you for what you've done. A full reward be given you by the Lord, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Chapter 2, again, only blesses Boaz. May he be blessed by the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 11, the elders of Bethlehem and the people at the city gates. his wings. And then in the next chapter, Ruth says, Spread your wing over me. all despair to hope, it will bring us from famine to flow.